Welcome to our podcast for Game Week 23. On tonight's show, we'll be looking at wildcard and chip strategies, the best formation for now and for the rest of the season, the blanks and the double game weeks, what it all means, and budget rotation options to support your teams through the blanks. On this week's podcast, we have Tom, Mark and Alex, who are all regular FPL bloggers, FPL experts, and when I'm a bit stuck, they're the guys I chat to. So it's brilliant to have them on the show tonight. Guys, like you all, just say hello and tell us all a little bit about your FPL season so far. Preferably no more than 10 words, but if it's a few more, that's no worries. We'll start off with you, Tom. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, my, my season's been pretty disappointing. I describe it as trudging rather than sprinting and more near misses than, than I would have hoped for, is how I'd sum it up. I think that's a familiar story. Familiar story. Mark, yeah, how about you? Yeah, I'm not really much different from Tom, really, but... I probably had a much better start, but since then it's been going downhill. A couple of green hours, but probably about in the last 12 weeks, two green hours and the rest were red. So I'm not, well, me and Tom are pretty much level pegging at the moment. And how's it going for yourself, Alex? Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to say a, a terrible start and then just treading water since then. So, uh, yes, sometime, somewhere around the... 250 to 300k mark, which is uh, rather depressing. But so, so onwards and upwards. We're, we're the experts that everyone should, should join. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you might want to find a different podcast now. <laughs> I, uh, I too had a bit of a bump start to the season. I, um, I, I found though every week I've done a, a transfer. Um, so every week I've taken a hit. My team has improved markedly. You know, I've not just had green arrows, but I've had a big jump. And um, and on on the fantasy football first blog, I, I write the site team article, and there's a phrase that I've learned to be aware of, which is um, uh, FPL is about having fun, because I've worked out that whenever I do a transfer that I think is about having fun and having a bit of a laugh with it, it always goes wrong. Um, case in point, case in point, last two weeks ago I bought J Rod, but you know, yeah. bit of bit of a romantic uh, thing. You know, yeah. I, I I like J Rod. I um, well, not romantically, but uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know, statistically, he's always been brilliant. So I noticed he was up front for Southampton. He scored a goal. I thought, great, I'll put him in. Put him in my team. He didn't even play. So sold him. Week later, he but he scores again. Yeah, yeah. I I've got a soft spot for J Rod as well. He's 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 definitely. I, I remember back to that. Was it two seasons ago where he was just awesome before that injury from an FBL point of view? He just was absolutely superb. I, I think he came off at half time, didn't he? Was it in the cup game? And he yeah, maybe he yeah, made injured right. again, unfortunately. Yeah, he reminds me a bit of um, of Welbeck. Uh, he sort of had battles with injuries, but you just know they've got real class available. And uh, and plus, obviously, J Rod is a, a midfielder as well. In, mm. In FPL, so no, I understand that transfer. Mine, if anything, though, mine's converse. I've, right at the start of the season, I said to myself, I'm just not going to take a hit unless it's absolutely essential. And I think it's been to my detriment, really. Um, I've just been way too conservative over the first 22 weeks, and it just kind of cost me, really, just by being so cautious. So that's a learning point for me going into next season and try and mix it up a bit. So in, pre- in, pre- in previous seasons, would you take more hits? Yeah, yeah, I would have been a bit more. I never think it's a great idea to take loads, but uh, this was like a marked strategy of mine this year to really minimise it. Um, and like I say, only use it if I absolutely had to. And um, I just wouldn't wouldn't suggest that's a, a terrific pl- uh, sort of ploy based on my own experiences this season. Because you know, like I said at the start, it's just been it's just been kind of disappointing, trudging really, and. Actually, in retrospect, some of the decisions I, which I've taken over two or three weeks, they just, you know, I kind of feel like I missed the boat a little bit. And maybe being on the front foot a bit more would have been would have been better in, in hindsight. See, mine's could it could it? Oh, sorry, Mike, you go. See, mine's a bit different. Mark, I started going downhill once I started taking hits, which I think were necessary. It's just a bit of a case of. I needed to take a hit. I took one, and then they started going downhill. And then since then, I've had to keep taking hits, and that's when I've been getting the red arrow. So sort to of be opposite. fair, though, Eddie, your your hits weren't so much about chasing points. They were, in my opinion, more forced, depending on the squad. So, like when you just said they were needed, I'd agree with that. Like I was talking about, I fancy a player to do well in this game week. It's going to cost me four to bring them in. 
I just wouldn't do it because I'd just be like, oh, do you know what? That's just asking them. It's asking too much of a one week, and I'd turn it down. And then consequently, you'd see someone like a Deli Ali just smash it in that week, and it'd be really frustrating because I I chickened out of, of getting him in because it would have cost me that that minus four up front. Yeah, it's I think that the thing for me has been the the and I think you just touched on it there is, is the patience factor. Mm. Like you know, I I think back to some some friends of mine who have done taken quite a few hits. And, you know, the Spurs midfield has been a prime example that if you were patient with Ericsson, Ali, and, and Kane, I know as a striker, but any of those three, you've been rewarded. Whereas if you try to chase last week's points or the week before's points and you transferred out a player quickly, and I've been guilty of this this season with Kane, um, you, you, you've, you've lost out. You know, if you, if you stuck with whichever one of those three through the Christmas period and didn't try and chase last week's points, you've been rewarded. And I think yeah. that's possibly where people have gone wrong. Like I say, myself, fully included in this, is we're trying to catch up on what we've missed. Whereas actually, just, just sit with it. They're a good player. And then maybe you'll be rewarded over the long period. And you that's maybe where hits, hits think, actually will work. I think that's a great point. I know we're going to talk about wildcard strategies later. And we were all kind of stunned last season with transferring out a load of great players to chase the, you know, sort of, utopian 15 double game weekers but I totally hear you I think if I if I just stuck with it a bit and trusted these great players mm. for just a bit longer my season would have been loads better um, so I think that's really good advice actually if you've got a player who you know is uh, is sort of proven in FPL and in the Premier League then just give it a while and, and, and trust them to come through and I guess it's the ultimate test as an FPL manager. How long can you wait um, for a player who's not performing before you give them the boot? And I guess this season, maybe we, uh, you and I, Alex, are sort of saying, I think maybe we should give them a bit longer than we have done. And that's consequently well, I, why we're, we're chilling out around 250k. Exactly. And I think, and I think that's also the, um, the other addition to that that's, that's certainly completely relevant this season. Is, is the amount of options we have available. So mm. if a player is not performing or doesn't perform for two weeks, you know, say say you had Deli Alley when Christian Eriksen scored, was it 20 odd points that, that first few weeks? And then he, I think Deli Alley didn't do much the next week. You suddenly had Eriksen or a number of other players that were performing. So you had options there. Whereas if yeah. we go back to last season, maybe there was that definite more of a template team. You had to have you know, I'm not going to list them all, the Mareses and the Vardis and so on, that were cheap and easy to get in. You just kept them, stuck with them, and you couldn't go wrong. Whereas this season, oh, and it, this is what I found really difficult, is I, I just don't know where to turn. Do we, you know, do we go for the big three up front? Do we do we stick with the five in the midfield? And then you sort of think, yeah, well, I'll stick with five. And Hazard fails. And I don't know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's another dynamic that makes it difficult. Yeah, it's better, though. It's more fun this year. I agree, last season was... I found it really difficult and and not so much fun because of that template. And everyone's team was just so homogenised by kind of, I don't know, around Christmas time, it felt like there was a core seven, maybe. I don't know if you guys see it, maybe even more than that. And if you were trying to chase or gain, you couldn't deviate too much because Leicester were doing so well and their players were so cheap. It just meant that there was... There was less room to negotiate. Do you know what I mean? So, so I'm going to come in, guys, on this one because um, for all the players that we pick, you know, with looking forward, there was the one example last year with the double game week, which was a spe spectacular letdown. That was Lukaku. So a lot of us brought him in for the double in game week 30, with the expectation of playing him through to the second double in 34, and then letting him letting him go. And he spectacularly fell and spectacularly bombed. So I think I think while we can have loads of general rules and loads of um, loads of expectations around uh, this season chopping and changing a lot, I think uh, when we look back to previous seasons, we have to be careful of learning too many lessons. You know, for every Lukaku letdown, there's a Yaya success story. Um, but that brings us nicely onto the first question of the day, which is really about you know looking forward and planning. Um, there's an excellent Twitter account out there uh, at Ben Krellin, and uh, he talks a lot about the doubles that are coming up. So we know for sure that in game week 26, um, Manchester United don't play, Manchester City don't play, Southampton don't play, and Arsenal don't play. 
And also because of the FA Cup results, um, we know that it's very probable Arsenal and Leicester won't play and very probable that Chelsea Watford won't play. Now, this is in game week 28. Uh, we've got City Stoke um, and maybe United Southampton again. So there's danger in them there, Hills. You know, it was, we, need to, we need to think about what's coming up. So guys, what's your best strategy for approaching these double game weeks, given that we've only really got a couple of weeks to prepare for the first one, and then we're going to get hit with the second one two weeks later? And I'm going to go to uh, Alex first. Uh, I think first thing is just, just, just if you can, and again, it's hard this season because the price rises are making us move quickly. Just let's let's just let the water settle on. I know we've got all the fixtures in now, but there are a few potential injuries out there. We don't know whether they were um, whether they were the old they're injured so that they don't have to play and I can rest them this weekend, or they actually have a genuine injury. The likes of Kane. Rose, uh, Lalana are three that spring to mind straight away. So let's just see and wait because obviously the worst thing that you can do is make two. Thanks, yeah, Aguero as well. Yeah, he's suddenly uh, suddenly got a, uh, a a yellow next to him as well. So all players that we just need to monitor. And if you make your transfers and then suddenly this week you're minus a big gun, um, it, it it could scupper your plans. So for for me, my planning this week will be um, I, I'm looking at the the teams that have got that play in 26 and play in 28, and thankfully I am we have three teams that look uh, that look pretty handy, uh, good form, good fixtures um, to to come through that. So they they the the teams I'm looking at are um, Everton, West Brom, and West Ham, and I'm I'm my specific players that I'm looking at bringing in from those are um, Brunt, because I don't have any Spurs, uh, sorry, I don't have any Brom defensive cover at all, and they are doing well, and obviously Brunt is, a, is, a, is excellent from an attacking point of view. Um, I'm looking at bringing in one of the two wingbacks, uh, probably Coleman for me, because I like his attacking intent, uh, and I'm looking at bringing in possibly a, a sneaky outside bet on on uh, someone Tom will be quite uh, quite happy about getting, and, and that's um, Mr. Snodgrass. So my my uh, suggestion out there would be uh, look at those three teams because we know through tw through 26, 28, they have all got games. So West Ham, um, West Brom. Help me out here, guys. West Ham, West Brom. Who are the others? I've lost Ben's page. Um, Bournemouth uh, and Hull and Swansea and Crystal Palace. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think, first of all, it made us... I think it was 19 minutes, I think it was, before Chris Brunt got his first mention. So it's about <laughs> sort of 18 minutes longer than I expected. Cause and and you that guy. the Brunt mention didn't come from Mark. From Mark, yeah, no kidding. Um, but in like seriously, he is a, just a great player in FPL terms. Um, we don't really need to go on about why, but especially now that he's got those fixtures over the blanks that um, Alex mentioned there, makes an even sort of more of a... a attractive prospect, if that can be believed. I think um, I won't sort of elaborate too much on that, but what I would say is that my tactic going into a blank double game, a blank week rather than a double game week, is to try my level best to uh, field as many players as I can without using a uh, wildcard chip. The temptation will be there to try and do that, to make sure that you can field 11, but um, I think that's better deployed once the blanks have been um, have fed through and we've actually got the resulting doubles in later game weeks so I think if you can manage yourself to get two free transfers all the better but just try your best to field as many players as you can from using the one free transfer per week yeah you can take a hit as well if, if, you, if you need to but my view is that it's better to do that rather than burn a chip um, because it's kind of a false economy I think better better uh, in a better position if you use your wildcard chip when you've got those more teams playing over the over the double game week, game weeks later on is my take. Yeah, I I, well, I can't disagree with any of that. I reckon um, you can't really use your wildcard for the blanks because no. even even if you did use it, what you're gonna do? You're gonna get eleven out, and even then, if someone gets injured, because really, if you're gonna field get all fifteen players. That don't have a blank, 
I mean, we just mentioned the teams are available. Mm-hmm. I, I have no worries about those teams, but if you filled your whole team with just those four, five, six teams that uh, don't have a blank and blanks, then you're going to be struggling then for like weeks 30 to 34 before the big yeah. doubles come in. And you know, no, well, no wild cards are then get get all the double players back. So Yeah, I mean, plus I think that, that people don't tend to recognise that they're not the only ones playing the game. And what I mean by that is that you look at this sort of sea of red and think, oh my goodness, I'm not going to be able to field players. But, you know, the, the honest sort of standpoint there is that that's going to be the case for the vast majority of managers as well. So you, you're not alone in those struggles. You just need to kind of recognise to give yourself the best chance of getting as many players as you can, bite that bullet and then move on and, and try and focus on the big gains that you'll get in the doubles rather than sort of kill yourself trying to get 11 out. Yeah, the point is, every player that you've got that's blanking is going to have a double later. I know you can have, some people are going to have wildcards to then, you know, doesn't matter really because they can just wildcard whoever they want in. But the point is, these players are going to have doubles. So, and, and you also mentioned like price changes earlier, but Sanchez, I think for me, is half a million pounds if I sell him now. That's how much mm-hmm. I'll lose on him. And then I'm, I, I, you know, Sanchez is going to have one, maybe two doubles. You never know. He might even have a triple game week. Sanchez on a triple game week. There's no way of not having him. No. I don't want to don't want to pay an extra half a million for him later down the line. So you've got to, you've got to fill your bench with these players. I mean, I bought in last week Tom Carroll, some trash Swansea player. But Swansea now don't don't have a blank, and he's four point two million, and he will play. So you know he's I'm not like, trash. That's really harsh. He's quality. He's going to do well as well. Four point two mil as well. Can't go wrong. Yeah, no, exactly. And he's going to play, which is one of the reasons yeah. I bring him in. It's just worth, I think, it's just worth thinking that if you're going to make transfers now, you might assume you assume you've got your wild card in hand. You might as well just look at those players that have got no blanks just for those 26 and 28. Mm. I mean, Snodgrass is perfect. He's he is, yeah, yeah. he is. He's an attacker. How, how do you how do you think he's going to fit into that team, Tom? Just He's straight swap, straight swap for Payet. He'll, he'll, okay. he'll come in and play on, operate on the left-hand side of the midfield and take the ma- majority of our set pieces. I don't think he'll get penalties off Noble, though. Um, I can't see that happening. So whilst that would be good for FPL, um, I, I, just a word of warning, I just, I just can't see that happening. But I think he'll take um, set pieces out wide. And as long as Andy Carroll's fit, which is always um, a contentious issue then that, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And, and likewise with Antonio, who's scored a few headers this season as well. So Snodgrass is the perfect storm here. He's replaced horrendous run of fixtures for Hull, who's uh, not making the team because of all what's going on with the transfer and what have you. Hull are in turmoil. They got walloped by Fulham tonight. Um, and he's replaced them with, in, obviously, in my view, gone to a team that's miles better. You guys might disagree, but he's going to have... He's got a great run of fixtures and he plays in the blank game weeks and he's really good value. So I think you're going to see a load of interest in him. It's great because he just went down 0.1 this week mm. um, just prior to the move, actually playing out in reality. So he's, I think, 5.7 is it? I think, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but um, whatever it is, it's under 6 mil. And for me, he's, he's looking like a, a really good shout. Depending on how much you... Uh got tied up in players. Do you reckon you could have a proper good fifth midfielder or third striker, depending on which way you're going, to make it so, you know, like if you'd say I bought in, I say I bought Tom Carroll for 4.2, but let's just say I didn't and I bought Snodgrass and I made, yeah. do you reckon that's valid or not? Yeah, I was thinking about this. The, the only problem, that first of all, I think it is valid. I think it can, it can be done. So you'd actually be, you're talking about having a, a 5-3 combination where you'd be, happy fielding any combination not from them. I think that can be done, um, but it's, you and I have talked about this before. It's what we term benching issues. Now, my view, I, uh, it's fine to have them because your squad's great, but you just have to then accept that you can have a scenario where your game week's going to end and you've got a load of points sitting on your bench, and that's through your own squad design. Um, like I say, I'm fine with that because it means your squad's performing well. But other managers just, uh, you know, break down in in tears. I can give you the maths behind that. I I remember um, back in about 2004, 2005, I I did some research on on how much to spend on a bench. And I I found that for every um, 
for every million pounds that you have on the bench, you're effectively... So for every two million you have on the bench, you're missing out on three million in your team per game week. Um, so the problem with having that, that setup that Mark was proposing where, uh, where you can, you've got a, a good front eight and the, you choose them such that there's always one with one week fixture every week and then you just shuffle them around accordingly is that um, it's still an expensive bench and as you say you are going to get hit and, and over a season it, it does deduct from your points. There is what I'll get. I'll give you an example for you to, to play with here. Um, so if you, you picked um, as your front eight, so you, you know you, you pick your, your big players, but for your last midfielder and your last striker, you had uh, Rondon from West Brom and uh, Stanislas from Bournemouth. You could have this between those, so your last potential last two players, not costing a fortune. Crystal Palace. This is for the next uh, eight uh, up to game week thirty. You could have Crystal Palace home, Stoke home, West Ham away, Bournemouth home, Crystal Palace home, West Ham home, Swansea home, Southampton away. And that would be your, arguably your, you know, we're suggesting your worst playing position. Um, if you went with just one of those players and had a really weak just bench player that you were leaving, the fixtures get noticeably harder. So say you stuck with just Junior Stanislas and a, a non-playing um, third striker or just Rondon and a non-playing fifth, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a lot harder to then you look at some of those fixtures and you're talking Manchester United away, Arsenal home, um, Manchester City uh, away. So it, I, I can really see the merits of that. Personally, I've always been more of a keep it down to a keep it down to a minimum um, on, on the bench. So, so for example, as soon as I saw, and I actually watched the, the Liverpool game, uh, the Liverpool-Swansea game, and I saw Carroll straight away, and I actually thought, bloody hell, he's not, he's, not, he's had an all right game here. He hit the post with a deflection. He got the assist with a superb, um, superb cross. Now, they may have been the only two things he did all game, but he's 4.2 million, and he was playing at Anfield in his first start. So if he can hold that down, for me personally, he is the type of player that I love having in my team. He's dirt cheap. He will be sitting as my first sub. But I've got a little bit of confidence that if he has to, if he has to come in, then um, then um, that's great. Caveat to that would be my bench at the minute is just terrible. I mean, I've got Amat, I've got um, Ake, um, and they are just they're just rotting my bench. Now, Ake, you could argue, is a bit unlucky, and there's a lot of us out there. But Amma, you know, I went for dirt cheap. He's lost his place. And now as a bench player, all right, he's cheap, but he's nothing. And, and with these blanks coming up, it's something that I've really got to consider. Um, and a lot of people are out there because I'm going to need all my bench spots to be playing players. So hence, yeah. I'm having to look to free up costs. You've been, you've been really stunned there. I mean, the, the, the Ake one's really unfortunate. He was doing ever mm. so well at Bournemouth. I couldn't have foreseen the uh, sort of premature termination of that level. Own, um, stint and down south, so that's really unfortunate. And Matt is all three of us have, have had him there. I'm not sure about Paul, but I managed to ditch him a couple of weeks ago at last. And uh, Mark, have you managed to bin him off yet? Yay, finally, this week he's gone. I've got he's the call gone. in. That's good, yeah, fine. So, uh, I mean, it's just one of those ones where you think, cool, he's four mil, he might play, Swansea might do okay, he kind of looked the threat occasionally. As it's turned out, it's just been useless. Swansea, I think, are one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen in the Premier League. So it was kind of made sense at different times of the season. But yeah, he's, he's completely dead wood now. I think what you were describing, though, with Tom Carroll, I definitely agree. That For me, that's traditional FPL. That's you have your, mm. your power four and you find that, that fifth mid. At the beginning of the season, Eddie called it in pre-season. Etienne Capoue looked great and... and he, as it proved mm. at the beginning, like he's completely tapered off now into the stage where we're like, right, okay, you're, you're not contributing anything. Carroll's a great replacement for that because, he, like you say, it's the perfect storm of he's not taking up any budget of note. You, you wouldn't necessarily want to start him unless he really hits a rich vein of form. But you're also absolutely fine if he is called upon because mm. he's going to be playing. He's playing offensively. And as you say, he, he held it down at Anfield and, and looked the part. So... For me, that's more how I manage my team with FPL. I have those four midfielders that I'll look to start each game week with three strikers that I'll play fixture irrespective. And you've just got to find that fifth mid who's who's kind of ticks the boxes 
that Tom Carroll does at the minute. You'd rather have Snodgrass, though, wouldn't you? Of course, yeah, as a, as a fifth. But then, you, like I say, you've then got to accept that sometimes Snodgrass would be chilling out on the bench if you've yeah, got if three... You, if you get him now, or not now, let's say get him 25, then 26 mm-hmm. and 28... You're gonna need you're gonna use the whole of the bench. So oh, I see. You're be... talking specifically for the next for the the 26 and 28 period, not like as a generic strategy. I mean, for example, let's just take an example of my side. At the moment, I've got I've got Carroll. I can't see me losing him because he's got a game. As you, we've already gone through the merits of him. Mm-hmm. I know he's cheap, but let's just say I didn't. I've got Aguero, and I've I had a let's just say I had Danny Gosling as my fifth midfielder. Mm-hmm. I only mentioned him because I had him last season. He did be proud to be fair, but. I could then drop to Aguero down to Kane and then Gosling up to Snoddy and then, mm-hmm. yep, I'm going to have benching issues but for those two weeks where I'm going to yeah, use, yeah. use the whole bench... No, that's my bad. I, I, I thought we were talking wider than 26 and 28. I thought we were talking overall uh, makeup of your squad rather than the than forthcoming few weeks. I, I mean, I, in general, I was sort of, it was a sort of an open question but leading on a bit, I was thinking actually... For like a short-term plan, mm. Mm. is it, is like it a it. decent shout? Yeah, I like it more. Mm. I like it more with the with the uh, teams that we know are and aren't play, playing over over the next few weeks. Definitely makes more sense then because it wouldn't really be a benching issue because the players wouldn't actually be competing because they their teams aren't actually playing that weekend. So yeah, makes sense. So guys, I just want to do a quick straw poll, a quick run round. How many players in your team? are going to be absent in game week 26. Now, for me, I, I've only got two. I've got Cedric and I've got Sanchez. I don't have Zlatan. I don't have Aguero. I don't have KDB or Walcott or Pogba or Redmond. Um, I don't have Silva, Bellerin, um, and Yaya, or some of the even you know popular players of recent times, like Valencia and Jones. Now, I don't have any of them. So, for me, this... This blank game week in 26 isn't a particularly big deal that I'm going to have to super, do loads of transfers to navigate. How is it for you and Al- for you, Alex and Tom and Mark? Uh, start with Mark. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. It's it's okay for me. Well, I say it's okay. I got my three most expensive players out, which is <laughs> yeah. So brilliant. I'm, I'm going to retract that. That's okay, is it? Yeah. <laughs> we're not, not going to bother editing it, and I know we're not, so it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, so Aguero, Ibra, and Sanchez all gone for me. Um, but that, when I say it's okay, that's it. So right mm. now, I could feel the side. That side would include Tom Carroll, as mentioned, Holobas, um, and Peters, which, as defenders, I'm fine with them as bench players, not a big deal. So the problem with that is I'm going to be fielding a nice. Uh, Five three one scenario, a five yeah. one scenario, which I don't like. So realistically, I probably need to lose one of them. And if I'm looking at money tied up, Aguero might be the one to go. Which he's my differential big punt at the moment. I think um, isn't it weird? It kind of the differential. I think the mm. the five three one. I, I think there's going to be a lot of that type uh, formation kicking around in those two blanks. Um, I was slightly slightly better off, I guess, in that I've, I don't have Aguero. It kind of sounds weird saying better off without him, but just for that particular scenario, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the problem with him not playing. I've got um, Phil Jones, um, Sanchez, and Ibrahimovic, and Yoshida, who are... Uh, well, I'm saying Sanchez, we're not sure on that yet, are we? But then Jones and uh, Ibrahimovic and Yoshida are the ones I'd be missing out on. Sanchez is gone. He's definitely not playing. No, okay, so I've got, I've got those four... Yeah, those four missing. So I'm going to need to need to accommodate something to field the eleven. But I've got a, f- a few weeks to do that. So Yoshida's the obvious move, there, would you say? Oh, well, I've only just got him in, and they do have a really good run. And with Font leaving, um, perhaps, and them not conceding a goal in the League Cup, I was really impressed with them um, away. So it's, it's it's not the obvious move right now, but maybe it's the obvious move between 25 and 26. Yeah, it could be, could be definitely. I mean, I need to do need to do something there. I'm just a touch worried that Jones might be under threat anyway with um, buy back from African Cup of Nations and Smalling playing a bit more regularly. But I know Mourinho doesn't really like changing his um, defensive quartet that much, but a touch worried on him as well. So he may be a, a candidate to move on. I've made some money on him as 
well, so we well, have in, to look at that. Well, in 28 and 29, um, the, the Southampton have got um, Manchester United and Spurs. So in 27, yes, it's Watford, but it is away. So I, I think it's probably a natural time to think about selling a, a Southampton defender anyway. Mm. I, I'm not, not so worried on the Watford away. I've been, I haven't been really impressed by them at all, uh, particularly laterally. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, the other fixes you mentioned are definitely making a candidate for removal over that period. Tom, what about so Alex? What about your team? Uh, so, I, I, from that point of view, I'm, I'm not too badly affected. I've got um, I'd have Ibrahimovic and Sanchez who who aren't playing, but like a lot of people, I've got non-playing players on my bench. So they effectively, I've got four that are missing anyway because I've got Ake and Amat. So um, they're more logical to move because they're even though they they're not uh, affected by the blanks as it were, they're not playing for their team. So um, they need to be moved out. So that's kind of um, that's kind of where I'm sat now. That two players not playing, but I've got two that are um, that are um, that are potentially just going to be not playing anyway for their team. So for me, I've got a few moves in mind. I think Holobus up to um, Holobus up to um, Brunt this week, and then I'm looking at possibly Lalana down to Snoddy, and then Amat up to Coleman, which would uh, which would at least I'm bringing in players that I know are, uh, are going to be playing, uh, have games through the blanks in, in all three of those players. And they're players that I, I want in my team. You know, I, I looked at Coleman and Brunt two weeks ago and thought, yeah, I've got to get those in. And then, of course, it's always Sol's Law. Both of them going to score this week or the week just gone. So that's taken one of their allocation of goals. And you wonder if, if maybe I'm just by pot bad luck going to be uh, missing out on their goals by, by a week or so. So we'll, we'll see. So this brings us back right to the point that right at the start where it almost seems like um, the game week 26 is a bit of a distraction, but really it's game week 28 in the FA Cup that we should be planning around. And if we're going to be bringing in players now to to give us cover for 26 and give us cover for you know non-playing players, really we need to be looking at Bournemouth, West Ham, Everton, um, West Brom, Hull, Swansea, teams like that that we know are out of the FA Cup. And therefore, we know that for our benches, you know, we're we're going to be uh, we're going to be reasonably safe. Would you? And they're playing. Would you agree? I'd absolutely agree. Yeah, I think that exiting the FA Cup is is the clue. I really do think West Ham are the, the team to look at. I would say that, but um, <laughs> been impressed by us more recently, and seems to be more of a feel good factor now that they've managed to extricate Pyatt from the club. So. Um, yeah, Snodgrass we've talked about, but there's probably some other options there which could be could be looked at depending on the makeup of your squad. Any love for Big Andy Carroll, either of you I, guys? I like Big Andy Carroll. Unfortunately, I sold him before his brace this weekend. Um, the problem with the te- <laughs> those teams that are in is none of them are the top six. And a lot mm. of our teams will be filled with the big money top six players. Uh, you know, like we've already said, Ibra Sanchez are pretty much in all of our team sheets. I've got Aguero, he might be hanging around a few. Um, and then, you, you know, Hazard, I think you've still got Hazard, Tom, haven't you? And, and everyone's got Alonso. And uh, none of the top six are out of the cup. I might be mistaken there, but I'm pretty sure they're not. So those are where the money is. So if we're going to, you know, we're going to have to take hits and maybe sell some. So we're going to maybe think about selling like Ibra, which might be a bit risky. I don't know. Ibrahimovic yeah, is a really interesting one. They've got, they've got, uh, is it Hull next up? I think, um, is that right? The next Premier League game, I think, is is the Hull Plum fixture. Is that right? For United, yeah. yeah. Hull yeah, at home, yeah, yeah. Leicester away, yeah. Watford yeah. at home, then the blank, then Bournemouth. United have got cracking fixtures. They've got awesome fixtures, haven't they? And it's yeah. and it's Ibrahimovic who's just been he's been such a great signing. Um, Hull, who I thought were improving. Just seem completely hell bent on making sure everyone knows they've accepted relegation. They're selling their best players. They've got so many injuries. Uh, I mean, just sort of feel for them. But they've conceded four today, um, and I don't know. It just uh, it worries me to transfer Ibrahimovic out, even yeah, though, I, even with the blank. I don't know if I'm going to be able to justify it. Not with what I happened in the game weeks, uh, double game weeks last week. Can't do. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, th- I think so. I think I think most people would we all agree on this if we go around and just yes no answer that Ibra and Sanchez are the two players that we and and I, you you brought this up earlier, Mark. Um, the amount of money we've got tied up in it makes mm. it even more difficult to do. But I, I know for a fact that those two I won't be selling. They'll be benched for twenty six and twenty eight. Everyone else is fair game as far as I'm concerned. Or oh, possibly Alonso will be uh, staying for me, but. I don't see any others that I wouldn't be. Oh, then, then you look, and I'm just looking at my team now, and then I've got the Spurs boys as well. It, it's <laughs> tricky, isn't it? It's going to be tricky. It's but yes, back to my original point: Ibra and Sanchez, I think, are staying. Well, well I don't have Zlatan, um, just for the reasons that um, there was a three-week period where Kane wasn't scoring, and on two of those weeks, Zlatan scored a load, and everybody jumped ship. And I, and I looked at the stats and I thought, well, hang on, Kane's not far off scoring here. Uh, and he's qu- it was quite a bit cheaper at the time, you know, and, and I was a bit short of cash. So so I stuck with Kane and, and it's reached awards recently. Um, in terms of Sanchez, for me, what I've been doing is I've been looking for a rotation. And I've noticed that Arsenal and Liverpool pair up really, really well. Now it's an expensive rotation. So kind of if you went Arsenal-Liverpool, you'd end up with Watford at home, Hull City away, Hull City at home. And in a double, you'd end up with Leicester away. But I'm just sort of wondering whether someone like Milner or a cheapo would come in and uh, give me that little bit of cover from the bench uh, for Sanchez. In particular, in the difficult game week 24, a Chelsea away, the black game week 26, and then lo and behold, game week 27, it's Liverpool away. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment with that. Surely, though, you're not going to bench Sanchez when he's not got a blank, because... If you do that, I'm going to call you a fool. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not going to blank him. So I'm not going to bench him. I mean, um, the the RMT bot, rate my team bot on site has been. Sanchez is like the number one player all season, and and the difference is yes. difference is that when he scores, he gets that one extra point the strikers don't get, mm. uh-huh. and, and that kind of justifies his salary. Now, I'm certain salary is is ch- his cost. I'm certainly not going to captain him against Chelsea away. And I'm not going to catch him against Liverpool away, but uh, but as a as a as a backup option for game week 26, someone cheap like Milner from Liverpool, he drops in quite nicely. Mm. I know, I, I agree with that. I think getting players when you're bringing in players, getting ones that are going to play those games and also have a great fixture. Like what we need to do is think about in those in 28 especially. We've already mentioned the top six are still through, so they're not they could all get through to the quarter final and not play that game. So we need to think about who's he going to captain. I think Lukaku has an amazing game that week, if I recall. So holding him might not be a bad idea. But, I mean, has anyone thought ahead about, right, if you haven't got Sanchez, you haven't got Ibra, you haven't got Aguero, you haven't got Kane, who, who's actually going to put the armband on? Yeah, that's a good shout. That amazing game was West Brom at home. It's good, but West Brom, Pulis is just so tight away from home. It's um, not a gimme, that one, I'd say. I'm pretty sure they just lost 4-0 to Spurs, though, and Hurricane scored a hat-trick. But, it, but it's Pulis, you know? He, he, he'll, he'll have a blip once a season. Yeah. Um, um, and, and it's Chris Brunt, you know? It's, 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 it's Mr. Brunt. I mean, I've been scoring recently. I mean, it, it's almost like a non-Pulis-Pulis team. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it is, actually. Just on the Milner one, that's kind of interesting. It's a question on whether or not he's going to be like an Antonio Valencia next season in FPL and... Will FPL dare to hold him as a defender? They kind of should. He's played left back pretty much every game for for Liverpool, and if so, does he become kind of a must-have? A left back on penalties. It's like Dennis Irwin. Yeah, they have, they, they have to. They have to put. They him do. I agree. Yeah, I agree. They, they, they do. Even if they bang like a seven million pound price, you know, Ivanovic type price tag, mm. they've just got to do it because they can't say he's a midfielder when he's not playing in midfield. No, oh. and so then we then then we would have the twilight zone of. James Milner being FPL essential. I don't. <laughs> well, but then we'll probably we'll probably have Alonso of Chelsea as a midfielder as well, though. Um, yeah. So bringing yeah, it. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. So while we're talking about really interesting, yeah, I wonder how they'll accommodate that. So while we're talking about formations now, um, I'm going to shoehorn in a question then. So uh, four three, sorry three four three or three five two. What's going to earn more points this season? Um, and the reason why I ask is because we've got a load of strikers who are stri- scoring, but really importantly this year, we've got a load of 
midfielders were scoring it, and in particular, not massively expensive. It's like we've got four meat chews this year. It's great. So, uh, mm. Tom, do you want to go first? I'll keep my answer to this one quite quick because I think Alex is probably the best best guy to chime in because I know that he's recently changed tact. But I think my opinion on this one, Mark and I talked about this in the week, that I think I've probably got it wrong this season that I'm so wedded to 3-4-3 in FPL and I have been since I started playing the game. That I just didn't didn't consider deviating from that. And looking back, it was probably a mistake to not at least consider it as an alternative. Um, so I'm still hanging out with a 3-4-3. It's not like it's cost me loads of points, but I actually think with the way that the season's gone and all of those great options that we have in midfield this season in terms of the ones who are actually performing week on week and the relative, um, uh, relatively thin pool of strikers in that kind of uh, lower than premium range, it probably was an option to, to get on earlier in the season. And in retrospect, I should have been a bit more... Um, sort of accepting of that would be my answer. Um, yeah, and I'm 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 gonna um, I'm gonna chime and say yes. I, I moved to three five two a few weeks ago, and I'm now already wondering whether I've missed the boat on this. I, I think you've nailed it there, uh, Tom. In that maybe through the you know the the early ish to middle part of this season have been four three five two. There's been enough players. Is now the time to go back to three four three? Possibly. I, I'm. I, I, I've been thinking about this week because I don't have Ali and Ericsson. I've gone Ali and Kane, which is the pairing I like. I'm struggling to find those premium midfielders that to to fill the middle now. So Sanchez, yes, for me is a is is a season keeper. Then you've got Ali who, who is performing particularly well. Matty is a uh, Matty Phillips is a great sort of sub six mm. to fit in there. It's those last two spots that I'm struggling with. So I've still got Hazard. Now, if Hazard was performing, brilliant. I think we would have still have a justified reason for going 3-5-2. Without that big Hazard, the, the big player Hazard there, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. Liverpool have really gone off the boil, so maybe your Coutinho can't fit in there either. Whereas I look at my front line and I've got Kane, which I'm happy with, Ibra, which I'm happy with, and then Barnes, which is great. That's it. I'm happy with that as my, my first bench player. Um, but Barnes can go and Hazard can go and I can bring in uh, a nice mid-price midfielder and go um, and go for Lukaku up front. So, you know, do I now, now do I switch back to 3-4-3 or do I stay 3-5-2? For the rest of the season, I, I don't know. I think there are pros and cons of it. And I think that's what's nice about this season, that you can't give a, a definitive answer um, I, I think you look at the teams at the top of the um, of the the, um, the the league as in the, the the world's top 20 and I had a quick scoot through and there are three five two teams and there are three four uh, three four three teams and there was even some that are playing four at the back and it comes back to this idea that with wing backs coming in you can argue round and round the houses which is the best formation but it's about having the form players at the form time. So if you've been flicking between formations throughout the season, you're probably going to be doing all right as long as you were on the right players. So can we actually say there is the correct formation? I think it's having the correct players at the, the correct time, which which is a bloody hard thing to do, but that's what you're looking at. And then just going, it doesn't matter what formation I play, I want those players in my team, so I'm going to change my formation to fit them in and, and roll with it. See, I was going to basically just say exactly what you just said. I was getting ready behind my microphone <laughs> to say, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like the fact that people are saying, oh, three five two is the way we should have played it this year, or three four three, or whatever. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't really matter, you know. Look, it's always down to that last slot in your eleven, and it could be like a Matty Phillips, or it could be a um, Andy Carroll. I mean, those two, depending on when you pick them, depends on whether it was a good idea. If you picked Andy mm. Carroll recently, he'd probably been better than Matty Phillips. Three weeks before that, Matty Phillips was rocking it in. But those two are the sort of players that, if you play a 4-3-3, Andy Carroll could definitely be that first, or Lorente. And if you play in a 3-5-2, Matty Phillips could be that one. But it's, it's all down to whether you get them at the right time. And I think a formation is, well, it's just what it is. It's like, if you can get the right players at the right time, you know, arguably... You could play four at the back. I mm. always mm. don't fancy that. I mean, a few people have asked the question, is that valid? Because of all the wing backs. And I reckon 
can you it is valid well any formation is valid if it gives if someone says look look at my formation I don't care about the formation. If they got more points than me, they're better than me. That's quite simple. Yeah, and on, on that point, Mark, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, and it comes back to what Tom said earlier about our traditional. We, you know, we've, we've, we've all played fantasy for years, and we've all gone three, four, three, and we've all been relatively successful at it. But you now look and go right. If I had four at the back that was Danny Rose, Marcus Alonso, Chris Brunt, and Seamus Coleman, or even five at the back, and you add in Leighton Baines there, and you've been doing that for the last six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, whatever it might be, I reckon you'd have a better score than I do now. So, you know... <laughs> I would have a better score than me with right. just, just playing those five. I mean, yeah. just, just literally those five yeah. without even a captain. Be, I agree with you there, Tom. To give you guys the maths of it, um, we expect a good striker, you know, not super expensive on Laguero, but we expect a good striker to score one in three games and we expect a good midfielder to score one in four games. Over the season, over 38 games, that works out as the strikers will get three more points than the midfielders. And that's all it is. When you think about mm. the cost differential, you know, a 7.5 million midfielder at four, four goals, uh, so four, a goal every four games compared to a, a nine million pound striker at three goals, so a goal every three games, you know, it, it suddenly makes a lot of value for money in the midfield. It's, it's quite yeah. a difference. But so, surely there's, only, there's still a 7.5 million midfielder against a 7.5 million striker. I well, mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, ones, there's, a, there's always a Defoe out there, isn't there? Every season we, f we find one. Exactly. So why don't we just bang him in the third slot and then, you know, get a Tom Carroll as our last sub and then we're happy? Well, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, doesn't it, about who, who to pick as captain? Because um, the captain gets the double points and suddenly Aguero is value for money when he's getting double points. Um so, so I think I think we have to have two or three. Going going back to sort of what is a template team, I guess this question is turning to now. Uh, for me, it's you got to have a couple of people you want a captain, uh, but not loads. Then you got to have some good people are going to get goals on a regular basis, and then the rest is about value for money. You know, not super expensive defence, but they are going to get clean sheets. Because at the end of the day, Chelsea will probably get what 17, 18 clean sheets this season, and. Uh, some mid-table team like Southampton will probably get 15 clean sheets. That's only three, four clean sheets less. So as long as you get, as long as you've got attacking defenders, then over a season it, it works itself out, doesn't it? And it's it comes cheaper. back to that patience idea again, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's that's the big thing, isn't it? So guys, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on to some rapid fire questions, and I'm gonna give you three from Twitter to start with. Um, so. Rapid fire, only one person's going to answer the question. You've got to answer it in under a minute, and you get bonus points if you can answer it in 12 words. So, <laughs> so I'm going to start with you, Tom. Costa or Giroud? Oh, Costa every time for me. I think he's been the most consistent, uh, certainly the most consistent striker of the season's top scorer in the Premier League, along with Alexis Sanchez. He's now... Back in favour. Chelsea have got a terrific run. Everybody should, needs to have at least one of their offensive players uh, in their team, in my opinion. Um, the fact he's now back in Conte's thought, thoughts and in favour means he's he's uh, he's right up there in terms of the most viable selections in FPL. Giroud is 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 good. I've always liked Giroud. I think he's been quite hard done by by the Arsenal uh, fans in some quarters. Um, but you know, there's still question marks over whether or not his game time is as much as Costa's will be. He's not on penalties, for example. Um, so for me, with Alexis Sanchez, as good as a must-have, you're already covered there. So for me, it's uh, Diego, Diego Costa. Nice one, nice one. You, uh, If you'd have stopped at the first consistent, you'd have got the extra bonus point. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to come on to Alex. Brunt or Valencia? Oh, that's a killer question. Um I'm going to say, if it's right now, this week, I'm going to say Brunt, purely because of the fact that he, he's got two. He's playing in 26 and 28. We know Man United are not playing in 26 and are likely not to be playing in 28. They may they may have a game. So if you're going right now, I would go, 20, uh, I'd go Brunt. Um, if we're looking after that, I believe Man United's fixtures are still pretty handy. It may be that you then look to bring... Um, Valencia in oh goodness they are very nice fixtures aren't they I'm just looking at them now um yeah it may be that you look to it 
So purely based on the, the, the blanks aspect of the fact that Man United may blank in 26 and 28, and that is only a few game weeks away, I would go Brunt. And then you save a little bit of money as well. Nice one, nice one. So Quincy, you, Mark. Um, the, it's more of a statement than a question from Twitter. It says, Liverpool cover without Mane. So I guess the question is, is there any Liverpool cover without Mane? And what is Liverpool cover when Mane comes back? Well, Mane missed the penalty yesterday, didn't he? So he's uh, coming back now. I think he's on a plane. He should be in on the bench on uh, Tuesday. So that's good news for Liverpool. I don't quite buy into everyone saying, oh, well, Mane's not there. So we're all, you know, that's why we're not doing very well. Because the same was said when Coutinho got injured. I think they, as a team, when they all are there, they are electrified. But I think teams have figured out how to play them. I mean, they're pushing them wide. And then someone like Liverpool, they've got no real presence in the box. They've scored a couple headers, but they've not got Andy Carroll in there. So teams are thinking, well, go on, go out wide, put crosses in. Your crosses aren't very good. This James Milner's not, you know, he's hitting first man quite regularly. So I think they've, they've changed their tack. I don't think he's going to be a magic bullet. However, I do love Mane. I've had him already this season. And I reckon in this game, he's he's great Liverpool cover. Coutinho, though, is cheaper. And once they start ticking, he is the magician, as they say. So I think it'd be hard-pressed between those two. And I've already said that Alan's actually great value this season. But right now, I think a lot of us are probably considering dumping him because Liverpool just aren't pulling up trees. But I'm sure they will again soon. I just think, I don't think it'll be instant. I think it's going to take a little while. Yeah, just, just on that, I think... Mane, I totally agree with all Mark's points there. I don't think Mane is the, the only factor that's contributed to Liverpool not winning a, a game outside of Plymouth since the turn of the year. Um, I, just a word on Mane, though. The poor guy's gone out of three competitions in four days, and he's going to come back in after this long-haul flight. He missed the penalty, and I think if they're expecting him to just come back in and operate at the level he was before Christmas... I'm, I'm not convinced you're going to see it, at least not immediately. So as much as I think he's a great player and agree that Liverpool are better with him, I'm, I'm not convinced that you're going to see massive returns from him immediately, is my feeling. I agree I then, Tom. I think mm. the, uh, the absence of Coutinho has been huge. Um, for, for, for people who read Statsbomb, there was an excellent article earlier in the season about uh, how Coutinho is doing. And uh, Coutinho's stats were better than Messi's. And I'm not wow. saying that's saying something, um, you know, on things like shots and target shots and goal and passes completed, successful dribbles, successful dribbles into the box. You know, all, all these key metrics that we look for in an in a attacking midfielder, you know, he, he was just off the chart. And, that you know, he, he, he's come back and I expect he, he will make a difference. But coming back to the question, I think uh, I think the bigger difference so not the bigger difference, as big a difference will be uh, Mane's return when he's back to fitness. Cool. So, next question. Quick one, this one. So, uh, one sentence answers only. Going to start with you, Tom. Spurs have got loads of injuries. Can we trust them? I'd say you can trust them, but I'd expect them to concede more than they have been recently. Nice one. Nice one. Mark, Hazard, what do we do? Dump him. Too much <laughs> money. Too much money to be wasted away, you know, crossing your fingers for the next big haul. Alex, who's your captain this week? Uh, can I give you three? Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's either Kane, Sanchez or Ebra, probably Kane. Probably Kane. Nice one. Tom, who's your captain this week? I have to say exactly the same answer as Alex is there. Um, other than the final, probably Kane, I think I'm still going to uh, go with the, with Sanchez. Mark, who's your captain this week? I'm very tempted by Aguero. The injury's putting me off. Just as I'm holding him, I might as well captain him. Alex, who, what's your one transfer this week? Uh, Holobath to Brunt. Tom, what's your transfer this week? Um, I brought in Funes Mori. I can't even remember who I ditched to bring him in for. But yeah, Funes Mori is in. Nice. Mark, who's your transfer this week? Um, I got rid of Emery Chan and uh, Amat, finally. Yay! And I've got, <laughs> I bought Macaulay and Tom Carroll, as previously discussed. Brilliant. Charles, what, what's, your, what's your opinion on that Hazard question that you set to Mark? You've got a, a competing Brilliant. 
you or do you share that opinion? Binim. Uh, I think those two fixtures are hard. I think his price is going to drop. I think Binim, if he performs and starts doing well, then bring him back after two weeks. But the worst that's going to happen is if he does perform, you lose some points. And But the best that will happen is uh, you'll save a bit of money. I also think in particular in the last two games, um, Hazard played a lot in the middle. Now, I don't know if that was Conte trying something in advance of these two difficult games and in advance of some sort of European run, um, but it hasn't particularly worked because in those last two games, Hazard had zero shots at goal. Okay. Um, so that, that's my that's my rationale for, for ditching yeah, not Hazard. A lot, not a lot of love for him. Um, I think he's an excellent player. I think he's an absolutely amazing player. and um, uh, So there's a lot of kind of... Uh, um, admiration in terms of you know if, if I played football that's the type of footballer I'd want to be but um, but unfortunately I'm, I'm 44 years old and, uh, <laughs> and and I can't run around like that anymore so uh, there we go Funny, yeah, yeah I, I, I slightly see it differently I think going back to Alex's point earlier on the show about keeping with the players that you know are quality I'm going to do that with Hazard appreciate you guys' view and you maybe maybe prove to be correct and they are hard fixtures but um, I'm going to trust him to deliver. So, kind of accepting I, the the price falls, and um, I'm going to I'm going to stick with him. I know you did that earlier, Tom, with with success actually. So, so with Hazard um, when, mm, when yeah, everyone else yeah. was pitching at the start. So, so good on you for that. And I'm I'm actually seriously toying with with doing the same as you. The the thing that possibly worries me a little bit more was the fact, and maybe I'm really reading too much into this. Just actually looking at his his minutes throughout the season, but he was off on seventy against Hull, and he was off on seventy when the game was still 1-0. So that means, you know, if, if they've been winning 4-0, you can say, fine, he's resting him. But is that Conte saying, actually, he's not contributing, he's not affecting the game like we know Hazard should be at home to a, what is a weak team. Um, so I'm going to try something else. And, and arguably, um, Fabregas came on and actually played well. So does this mean that maybe he's going to share minutes? Maybe I'm reading too much into this and, and fingers crossed, Hazard comes back and scores a hat-trick. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting debate. I think... Um... Watched that whole game. He actually, in my view, he actually played really well. It was a curious one when he got taken off, but he he mm. had a decent game without, you know, looking effective from an FPL perspective in terms of shots and and what have you. Um, I think from a transfer out perspective, if you don't own Diego Costa, then I think if you transfer Hazard out, then the temptation will be to replace him with another Chelsea Chelsea player because, as I said, they've got such a good run. I think you're going to need at least one offensive Chelsea player in mm. your team. Um, and trying to pick another midfielder has those same sorts of concerns over game times, even with uh, Pedro's been, he's had a great season, like Pedro a lot, and William kind of the same deal. So there's also that in my head of if I transferred him out, I'd, I'd then be really apprehensive about having no Chelsea coverage. Yes, good point. I agree about the coverage. Um, that's completely fair. I mean, the thing is, though, Hazard is quite special. He's over 10 million, and I think if you don't have anything to do with that money, I think keeping him is a great idea. As you say, he's, he's got potential to score hat tricks, he could easily bang in a hat trick in the next game. The thing is, though, this you know, a lot of us are thinking, Oh, I want to get the next big thing, and that is a great way to make money. I mean, he must be there, sat there, just looking like a big bag of money that you can suddenly open. So, I'm getting a lot of people are thinking, Well, if I downgrade. Has even like a, someone amazing like Ali, that's still more than a million they'd gain, and they can oh, then yeah. upgrade, yeah. maybe get like Lukaku in up top, but he's got his great fixtures, no blanks. I mean, I love Lukaku, so you know what I mean? It's just yeah, whether yeah, no, you, you can do I, anything with it. And, and you guys, you and you and Charles are making the point that it feels like the majority of managers share, like his price has gone down this week. Um, you know, question marks over his minutes and returns, etc. I think I'm, I'm certainly accept I'm in the minority, but. Um, yeah, just because I think I, I definitely want Chelsea offensive coverage, and I still believe he'd, he'd have spot kicks if they if they got a penalty. That that mm. is on my mind as well. So it's a difficult call, um, and I you know may may prove to be wrong to keep with them for the second time this season. But um, yeah, we'll guess we'll wait and see. Well, thank you very much for your views, guys. Um, dear listener, so this is the first podcast that we four have done as a team. Please do let us know what you think. If you've managed to get through this far, you obviously love FPL as much as we do, and hopefully it's come across that we do love FPL. If you've enjoyed the podcast and feel it deserves it, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a like or a share. 
If you've got any questions you want to ask us or any topics you want us to cover in future, then you can tweet any of us, Alex at AlexWaterBaby, myself at FanFootFirst, Tom at UtterlyTC, Mark at Buffery007. And just to close with a real thank you very much for listening and may the green arrows be with you.